Welcome to episode 174 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. This week, Stageworthy is starting a partnership with Today Takes. Do you know Today Takes? If you don't, Today Takes is an app and website that offers easy and affordable access to a wide variety of must-see cultural performances from plays and musicals to dance, opera, comedy, immersive experiences, and beyond. So why don't we open up the Today Takes app right now and, and see what's going on. Uh, there are uh, tickets to shows at Toronto Sketchfest. Um, there's tickets to shows like uh, the Buddy Cole monologues and the Lusty Mannequins and... Oh, uh, you can get $20, $20 rush tickets to Reviser at Canadian Stage. You know, I didn't even know that there were rush tickets that you could do in Toronto through Today Ticks. I also see tickets to shows all over Toronto, as well as tickets to the upcoming Stratford Festival season. And they're all at super reasonable prices. Today Ticks makes ticket buying simple, and you can purchase tickets in less than 30 seconds. Get it on iOS and Android, or go to todayticks.com. If you want to drop me a line, remember that you can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. If you want to drop me a line directly, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. My guest this week is Liana McCoo. Liana is the playwright of Blood of Our Soil and also performs in the play, which is on now until March 16th at the Tarragon Extra Space in Toronto. So what can you tell me about uh, the blood of our soil? Where shall I start? Uh, so it's a few years ago, I came across my grandmother's journal that she kept while she was emigrating from Ukraine during World War II. Okay. And it was a really, it's just a very interesting thing to come across. Yeah. And and um, and one of her lines in it really resonated with me. And it said, how can our land not but be fertile when so much blood, both Ukrainian and foreign, has continually seeped into it? It shows that our enemies must love our land more than we do, for they fight for it ceaselessly. Will we live to see that moment when our people join the circle of free nations? Hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it just really resonated with me. It was very articulate and really, hmm. um, and, uh, this was before the revolution of dignity occurred in Ukraine at the end of 2013 into early 2014. And I think I, I maybe had come across it the year before and had thought to myself that this might be like an interesting project mm. to do at some point. And then that happened, the revolution of dignity and my Baba's words just kept resonating with mm. me. Will we live to see that moment when our people join the circle of free nations? And uh, I felt compelled to to follow that initial impulse it just mm. felt like there was the right moment um so i began development when i uh working up to the first iteration a workshop project mm -hmm. um in we performed that in march 2017 and it was sort of like a semi autobiographical reflection on memories mm 
of uh, summer spent with my grandparents, my Ukrainian grandparents, and and feelings about the separation of what it means to be a part of the Ukrainian diaspora mm. while this th- these things are happening in the Ukrainian homeland. Um, and and so that was sort of the first iteration, and then we it w- went very well. It was a three day presentation. We had a lot of support. We presented it in Edmonton, and um, then we following that, I felt like I wanted to understand deeper and more fully. Mm what's happening in Ukraine today. Mm -hmm. There's only so much, and that's part of what I was sort of talking about in the workshop presentation, um, or sort of reflecting on as as a character, um, Mm -hmm. what, uh, uh, that you can only learn so much from like a news article or, Mm -hmm. um, and understand so much. And so if I wanted to bring the play to a new place, which I did, I felt like I needed to go to Ukraine. So um, my company pyretic productions me uh patrick lundine and matthew mckenzie booked some train uh, not train tickets uh plane tickets uh-huh. to ukraine um when we traveled there in october 2017 mm-hmm. and uh traveled all over the country to gain a deeper perspective so the war the ongoing war in ukraine is happening in the eastern parts of the country right. um but we went as far west as the Polish border, like literally we walked to the Polish border and, um, and, uh, we went as far east as we could within, um, about like five kilometers of the contact line, uh, and did probably, I don't know, over 50 interviews with people, uh, to, to gain various perspectives and, and learn. And it was just an invaluable, um, experience personally, culturally mm. uh and as a as an artist and as a human and yeah. has really shaped how i it's shaped the trajectory of the play and um the kind of work that i want to do <laughs> um was it was it your first time to ukraine yeah no um, okay i had gone as uh i was a teenager mm-hmm. we went on a sort of like family pilgrimage mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so i think it was 2006 okay. that we went so it had been about like what's math 11 years okay. um and uh but it was a very different trip right because yeah. like you know i'm i'm a grown-up now mm-hmm. and uh i was the lead mm. matt and patrick do not speak any ukrainian okay well i mean like you know they'll they can say patrick has developed a sort of small vocabulary which charms people <laughs> he'll be like his favorite is which is basically the equivalent of being like Merry Christmas and um but like he yeah he just charmed like my family and stuff and, uh-huh. and um Patrick is also my life partner mm-hmm. so he uh so anyway he yeah. says, Matt is terrible just terrible Ukrainian and it's <laughs> like he like yeah it's like we he's been there twice with me now yeah. and he he's just like doesn't get any better um but uh <laughs> but uh what did I really say he Ukraine mm-hmm. being there, yeah. Ukraine is a difficult place to get around without knowing the language at all. So they leaned on you pretty hard, I imagine. Very for, hard, yeah. <laughs> especially like you know, in in the capital Kyiv, yeah. people will know more English, mm. even though in like in other larger cities, no. Um, but the thing, I know Ukrainian. I know enough Ukrainian to get around, yeah. and 
and to be able to communicate with people. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm fluent, but um, I don't know any Russian. Mm. And uh, there's uh, the Eastern Eastern Ukraine and like a lot of uh, areas in Central Ukraine too. They they only speak Russian. Mm. So um, so yeah, wow. I I uh, was when we got to the east. I wasn't able to get us around, but we, we had a, a fixer. Okay. Okay. Fixed us up. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, the process of, of when you, when you found, uh, your grandmother's diary, mm-hmm. um, was that something that you stumbled upon? Did, did somebody hand it to you? Like how, what was the process of finding it? Mm-hmm. Um, my uncle had actually, uh, was the one who gave it to me. Mm-hmm. He was, he, had done a translation of it. Okay. Uh, he was a scholar. Uh, he uh, with the Ukrainian Canadian Institute, mm-hmm. the the Canadian Institute of Ukrainian Studies, and so he um, did a translation of it and had a document of it and passed it along to me. Mm. Um, in the play, uh, you know, the play is mostly true. It's um, but it's been it's like a mosaic of stories and experiences that are all basically true, um, but have sort of been at times crafted to tell a story. Sure. So in the play, I find the journal. Hmm. Um, but it, when I, when I, when I came across it, it, uh, it was something that was given to me, but, um, but yeah, I, my dad now has the original document and, wow. and, uh, so that it's a pretty special yeah. thing to, to have in, and, you know, pretty, uh, you know, what it makes me think about my grandmother and what was she thinking when she kept doc, when she mm-hmm. documented this experience for herself, that like that did she want, she knew that this was a significant thing and mm-hmm. she wanted to be able to keep that story alive for her mm-hmm. children or for anyway, it's just, yeah, it's interesting. Or is it just something that people did? I know more like, so than we, now. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that, that you now know, we people, vlog, <clears throat> We vlog, yeah. <laughs> we vlog, we, we, we Instagram live, we, yeah. we do that. But I think maybe at a certain point, people wrote in their diary. Yeah, yeah. Instagram story of your fleeing a war-torn, war-torn country. Which yeah. makes it sound like, <laughs> but, like it's so... I mean, that would be important, but... You know, what was yeah. interesting was when we were in eastern Ukraine, and just in Ukraine, and, and speaking to, like, veterans and stuff, mm. um, hearing... Uh, different, uh, the new generation of war and how that's yes, handled. Yeah. Um, and, uh, people, um, that they were able to decipher that the Russians were coming, uh, or that they were going to start shelling or whatever mm. because they, oh, yeah, that they trans, they came across their cell phone signals or that they were getting, they get text messages when they enter separatist territory, mm. um, being like, just kind of goading them oh, to really? piss off the the soldiers, yeah. Wow. Or even like we hear stories about the girls who see the veteran, uh, the veterans, or the soldiers on TV, and then mm. send them Facebook messages and like dirty messages. And oh, wow. anyway, so it's just mm. it, it's interesting yeah. how mm. the next generation of um, of war in this mm. digital age yeah. manifests itself. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, they, you mentioned Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, did you grow up in Edmonton? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, we still still spend a lot of time okay. there. Um, yeah, the uh, following our presentation, 
the workshop presentation I was talking about mm -hmm. in March 2017. We actually we went to Ukraine and then had only a few months to put something together and presented the next iteration of the show in Edmonton mm -hmm. in March 2018. Mm -hmm. um, so the show has been partly developed in, in Edmonton as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, yeah, that's uh, where I trained and grew up. And but we're, we're spending time in in Toronto mm -hmm. as well now. And how did you? How did the play find its way here? Mm -hmm. um, well, we presented the show in Edmonton, and it was very successful. Um, we basically sold out our whole run mm -hmm. and had a lot of really positive feedback. Um, but we and and had a lot of encouragement to bring the show to the next. To mm -hmm. different audiences, yeah. um, people really wanted their the story to be shared, and so we listened to that. And but we also knew that we wanted to uh, further develop the script because, yeah. like I said, it was only a few months, and we were very successful with it. But we knew that it could go deeper and further. Yeah. And we actually went back to Ukraine in October 2018 and uh, did a workshop of the script with. Uh, with a group in Ukraine, a theater group in the capital cave called Diki Theater. And yeah, that was a really cool experience too. Um, and, but yeah, I guess after our Edmonton show, we listened to that and we have roots here and we know people here and we were like, mm. can I swear? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. We were like, fuck it. Let's, yeah, yeah. let's, um, let's start looking into Toronto. And our mm. Matt is, um, Matt McKenzie. He's a playwright and he's, like the founder of Pyretic Productions and an associate. And uh, he has found a lot of success in Toronto with his play Bears. Mm -hmm. um, it was in... Which is just about to open a factory. factory. Yeah. 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 And Patrick and I, we we were also involved in that as well. Yeah. Um, and so we had worked on Bears at the theater center. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we were familiar with... The Toronto theater scene had like the new introduction through that, mm. and um, and we so it just made sense to mm. as the next place, and and also there, I mean, there's a huge not that it's only for the Ukrainian community, but there's a huge Ukrainian community here, mm -hmm. uh, and um, and so we knew that we hope at least that we have the support sure. of that yeah. uh, as a foundation, and um, yeah, so that's that we started. <laughs> calling around and so yeah. we booked the extra space at the Tarragon Theater like probably two weeks after the show closed in Edmonton and we were like okay well I guess we're doing a show in a year yeah. <laughs> and yeah. have been gearing up toward that hmm. mm -hmm. I mean when you when you mentioned like the you, it's not just for Ukrainians but you know there's a, a Ukrainian base here it's very I mean that's a good um it's good to make those connections and to, to bring those people out. Kim's convenience did that very successfully yeah. with the Korean community. And so like that, those kinds of connections can only help to build the show. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's nice to um, diversify mm -hmm. like a, a theater audience. It's yeah, actually, well in Edmonton, we did also definitely tap into the Ukrainian community there and it's our audiences were not your typical theater going audiences mm. some, and which brings about interesting experiences sure. like there was cell phones going off almost in every show and it always happens at the most dramatic mm. times um of course it does yeah of course it does and like people taking pictures we we had to like keep putting up signs outside in the lobby like mm -hmm. no pictures or video are allowed strictly yes. prohibited yeah. like there's this and this and so um and so we joked about that but yeah that we were joking that there were like bootleg videos of 
blood over soil uh-huh. on the internet because people would video, which means that they're engaging sure. and that they really liked it. But also, Equity, the actors union, mm-hmm. and not can't do that. No. <laughs> so yeah, so we, I mean. That we had to do our best to try and stop people, but yeah. that bootleg footage is out there. It, I mean, <laughs> have you gone searching on YouTube to see if it's there? Uh, I, I don't think like a full <laughs> video. I think it's just like there and people share it on social media. Sure. And it was cute because they were like, there are a couple of our actors. They sing they sing in Ukrainian, mm-hmm. um, but there are people in our cast who aren't Ukrainian. And so the Ukrainian audience is sharing these videos where they were sing uh video or boys and they'd be like oh these boys they don't even speak ukrainian but they sing so beautifully uh, but you can hear their accent but it doesn't matter and so, <laughs> so it, it it's good it's good yeah. engagement but but also you can't video <laughs> it's, you know that's actually a really tough um shift especially in, in a lot of theaters where that that question where the audience doesn't often understand why they can't take pictures and why mm-hmm. they can't video. Um, and it's a, I think it's it's a constant struggle. Um, it's like, this is what the audience wants to do. And in a lot of cases, not because they want to bootleg it, just because they that's how people remember things. And it's the culture now. these yeah. days, too. Like, capture yeah. everything for your Instagram yeah. or Facebook or, yeah. Yeah, it's a really, I think it's a, a fine, it's a, it's a difficult balance to to travel and and again the problem is that like you're not allowed to do that like yeah yeah there's reasons why you're not allowed to do that yeah, it's not I, just because we're just party poopers in the theater no because there's like there's all kinds of reasons why yeah, yeah definitely yeah and i think like i mean that's a good point at least explaining to mm-hmm. people like you can't do this because well i mean it's also artistic property like i yeah. want to be in control of like how people are seeing my show mm-hmm. and also theater just translates horribly to film especially to like handheld like <laughs> on my phone at the back of a theater kind of thing That's yeah like, not a great way to see something no no um like yeah even when we do an archival of, mm-hmm. of a theater piece uh, it it just like it's just not the same and that's no. why i think part of the magic of theater sure um and what makes theater special yeah. um but yeah no i think like education but like how much are you supposed to educate somebody I don't it's know. so hard like when they're walking into the theater is kind of the worst time to try to educate them because they're already they're excited about what they're going to mm-hmm. see. They probably are already taking pictures. You know, it's hard to hard to stop that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what is when did you start um, being interested in theater? What is your theater origin story? <laughs> um, I've always been very sensitive and like a bit of a, a ham. Like mm-hmm. I was always like in home videos. I'm always like, my dad's the one, the videographer. And mm-hmm. I'm always like doing silly things to get his attention and like be in front of the camera. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And I, but my parents, they like put us into my sister and I, they put us into all sorts of extracurricular activities. Mm-hmm. And one of them was drama. And actually, ironically, my we were in this program, and then my sister was accepted into the pre-professional program, and I I don't I actually don't remember if I wasn't or if I just didn't go into it. Regardless, mm-hmm. uh, I was not in the pre-professional program. My sister is now a lawyer, and okay. I'm a professional theater artist. Okay, wow. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, and then I just did theater lessons as a kid, and then 
uh, and then I did it in school and I, I was actually, I did it as an option in junior high and then uh, I was going to switch out of it. Mm. And then my drama teacher came up to me from the previous year and he was like, why are you switching out of drama? And then I won the grade seven drama award and mm-hmm. I was like, maybe I shouldn't switch out of drama. <laughs> and so I kept doing it. And like, I've just always found, um, I've found a, a lot of reasons, uh, ways in which to use the create my creativity, mm-hmm. creativity productively. Yeah. Um, like in, in classes, Outside of drama, like in social studies, if we had to do a project, I would, uh, like a presentation rather than just like doing a presentation, I would make it so that I could make a little film, like a short film mm-hmm. and, and edit something together and, and do that, mm-hmm. which was always like a great way of getting a high grade. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but, but, uh, I just had way more fun doing that. Um, then I did like writing an essay or sure. something like that. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and then I just kept doing it in school and, and it's just those people who, those people who come across your life as mm-hmm. your mentors and people that encourage you to keep pursuing the path that you're pursuing. And th- there has been a few times where like, I, I was like, I'm not going to do theater anymore. I'm yeah. going to, when I graduate from high school, I'm going to go into law. And then, and then my drama teacher in high school again was like, you could do this in university. And I was like, oh, I could. And I'm like, why did you tell me that? I could be a lawyer now. Yeah. Is, was, there, was there a moment uh, aside from that when you were like, this is like, I could do this for my life? Well, that was that, was that moment in yeah. high school. Yeah, that like, it was, it was my high school teacher. She brought in um, a friend of hers from New York who was, who teaches internationally mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And, and, she she was there a lot actually she did a lot of workshops with us and stuff and and it was then where she was like i think i think you should do this mm. in university and um and then and you know just having somebody believe in you and what yeah. you do um shapes who you are mm-hmm. and so so i did i pursued it in university and uh and then did a bachelor of fine arts in acting and uh and here we are. Where where did you go to university? I went to the University of Alberta. Okay. Yeah, their BFA program. I, I think I've spoken spoken to a few people who've who've gone through the U of A. Probably, yeah. yeah. It's a it's a great program. Yeah, it's what I, I think. That's everybody who everybody that I've spoken to says that. So. Yeah. Um, at what point did you start? I mean, you were you were making films and things when you were in school. Mm-hmm. But when did you start writing? Well, uh. Yeah, I mean, throughout university, I had opportunities and classes to be creating things. Mm-hmm. And um, I mostly did things in terms... And I've done stuff for the Fringe and stuff yeah. like that. But in like a collective collaboration mm-hmm. sort of capacity. Yeah. Uh, this is actually my like first project okay. where I am the sole creator well like the the primary writer i've had i have a dramaturg mm-hmm. and matt and patrick have been uh, indescribably helpful yeah in in helping to develop and shape the play mm-hmm. but this is i'm i'm the writer of this so this is my first project um solo gig how, how, how does that how does that feel well i'm like why is why did i choose such like a massive beast of a project <laughs> as like my first my first play but Mm. um 
but uh no it's it is right like it is this play was just like bursting mm. out of me i had actually approached matt about the idea of like writing this play when mm. with my grandmother's journal and and then he was like yeah no it's like get me some information about it like i, I want to learn more mm. and then i i started just I sat down on my computer one day and it was just like literally bursting out of me. I just started writing. Mm. Um, and then I was like, Matt, look, I wrote this thing. What do you think? And then he was like, Liana, you have to write this play. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And so yeah. <laughs> then I started writing, applying for grants and stuff. Mm. And wow. yeah, but, um, but yeah, I mean, to answer your question more directly in Edmonton, there's this really great festival. It's called Next Fest mm -hmm. and it's for emerging artists. Okay. And it's really cool because it's, um, it creates a kind of not outside of school. It creates a cohort amongst your generation of artists. And so, and it just is like two weeks of arts parties and huh. arts and, and um, it's multidisciplinary and there's a lot of theater and and um, just like kind of cabaret style things. And so uh, so I never actually wrote a play for the theater part, but I did a lot of creation stuff for yeah. the cabarets and, and stuff like that. that sounds amazing. The festival? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's honestly, it's the best. It's because it, 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 it I think that's part of what what makes Edmonton have mm. such a strong theater community. Mm. Um, and it's really just like two, I guess, 10 days, but like yeah. of hard partying <laughs> and which is so fun. Um, and I mean, like I met my life partner, Patrick at next fest. And yeah. I think a few people have, yeah. so like there's a lot of people who've like hooked up and not met their life partners yeah. too, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, it sounds like the kind of thing that, I mean, it's, that's pretty uniquely Edmonton. Mm -hmm. I think. Um, because of the community have, you know, I know, I know the, the Edmonton fringe a little bit. Yeah. And how massive that is. And to sustain something like that and to keep something like that going, especially so big, you would have to have some kind of like way to bring the communities together and, and, and to make some amazing things. So I think that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. No, it's great. Um, now it's, if I go to a next fest event, I'm like, oh my God. I'm really old. Like I shouldn't be here. I just like, it's like, it's obviously that I'm on the, I'm on the top end of yes, the yeah. next fest spectrum yeah. now. I actually, mm. I even think like, I'm, I mean, I'm turning 30 in a month yeah. and, uh, yeah, that's, they don't even let you do next fest anymore when you're 30. Oh, but shit. that's, I haven't, mm. I haven't been for a long time. Yeah. Uh, mm. but anyway, it's just, it's just interesting. Is, are you freaking out about 30? No, I'm not. Okay. No, it's good. I mean, like, a little bit because it means that I just feel like when I was a kid and I looked at 30 I was like those, those are people that have their shit together oh I know yeah and now I'm like oh uh, that's gonna be me <laughs> I spent a lot of my teenage to young adult years wondering when it was gonna happen when I would suddenly be a grown-up and I would Suddenly I would know all the things, I would know how the world worked, and I would have my shit together. Mm -hmm. And uh, apparently what I learned was that um, my parents and, and all the adults I knew when I was a kid were just faking it all the time. Yeah, I think that's what growing up is. Yeah. <laughs> Learning that people are just faking it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, that was actually a really disillusioning 
realization because <laughs> I <laughs> was so hoping that one day I'd figure it out. But yeah. Apparently not. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> um, so you, um, what was your connection to, to Toronto before you came here? Because you said you had like mm-hmm. some roots here. So what was the connection having been from Edmonton, meeting your partner in Edmonton? What was the, what was the connection in Toronto? My mom is, was born here okay. and my grandparents are here mm-hmm. and um, we are, my grandparents have had uh, a cottage north of Toronto mm-hmm. on Georgian Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually spent my summers growing up at the cottage. My parents shipped my sister and I off for two months to spend summers with Baba and Guido mm-hmm. at the cottage, which was honestly a win-win for everybody. Sure. Baba and Guido got to spend time with their beloved grandchildren, mm-hmm. and then we got to just, like, hang out at the cottage all summer. Yeah. And we had this group of little, like, cohort. It was three pairs of sisters uh so there's six of us a little like girl gang and and it's um it's a little like it's a little um ukrainian community up there mm-hmm. it's like half ukrainian and half polish yeah and uh so yeah i mean we just spent all of our summers there from child like childhood mm-hmm. to um to teenagers too i mean we still go there not for two months anymore no. unfortunately no but um yeah it's cute mm-hmm. we like had our little girl gang and then we go um, walking around at night, like looking for the Polish boys, because the Polish boys were the cute ones, and, and the Polish boys would be looking for us, and then our grandparents would be like, "Why don't you talk to the Ukrainian yeah, boys?" Well, and it's like, Ukrainian boys are fat, Baba. And anyway, oh, no. <laughs> and they're like a little pudgy, and anyway, um, yeah. they're lovely, lovely people. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a teenager, more interested in the rebellious of Polish course. boys. Uh, but so those are, that's my, those are my roots here. And so I have, mm. I have lots of family in yeah. Toronto and, um, and that's, yeah, I mean, the play is actually inspired. A lot of stuff is inspired by spending those summers at Baba and Gila's. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Um, so like I said, it's sort of like weaves in memories and it's a, it's a mosaic of stories and experiences. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it weaves in the stories of stories my grandparents would tell or like experiences or like, yeah, my, my Baba's garden or, or, um, yeah, my Baba would have night terrors. And so we'd hear her sleeping and uh, screaming in her sleep mm. and the cottage walls are so, so tiny and, and thin. And, and, um, so I have a bit of an anecdote about that in the play, but, um, you know, as a kid, it'd be like, oh, you go wake up Baba. No, you go wake up Baba. <laughs> and then we go and then she'd be like, I was dreaming that they were coming to steal you. And as a kid, it just happened all the time. Sure. And then, so as an adult working on this play now, and it, I think it has a different context. Like what was haunting Baba mm. so deeply that she would have these consistent night terrors. And it would be a thing that as a, as a child or even a teenager that you would, it would like, you couldn't even fathom yeah what would be behind that yeah like i mean we would know intellectually like mm. like she would say like i dreamt that they were coming to steal you and mm. they were always like it was always about them coming to steal you yeah but then and it's like oh okay baba it's okay just go back to sleep and mm. that's fine but now i like i mean my grandmother was kidnapped by the nazis and stolen from her village and taken for slave labor in mm. germany so like it's a whole different context. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, just coming to understand what that means as an adult and thinking back on that. It, yeah. Did you have any idea of that 
then or was that something that you learned through the diary? Uh, that's actually, the diary is my paternal, my oh, okay. paternal okay. grandmother's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so like I say, it's like a collage yeah. of experiences, but, um, uh, like I knew generally, but, uh, this play has been the catalyst that has really made me dig into my family history mm. and to understand it mm. emotionally and, and viscerally. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned um, working on the play mm-hmm. with a theater company in, 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 in Ukraine. Ukraine. Yeah. And what was, what was that? Cause here you are um, and you, as you said, your, 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 your Ukrainian is not fluent. Mm-hmm. And you were taking this play that was written in English to a Ukrainian uh, group. Were they speaking it in English? What did you learn from from <laughs> from from doing that with that group? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, one of the veterans that we met um, and interviewed, mm-hmm. his name is Dmitro Lavrenchuk. Uh, he was so helpful. Um, and and when we first met him in two thousand seven six eighteen, no. Mm-hmm. 2017, mm-hmm. October 2017, our first trip. Um, and he, he connected us to more veterans and was just really invested in like helping us to understand. So we actually brought him to Edmonton to be a part of our outreach activities mm. and panel discussion and talkbacks and just to be, um, a part of helping people to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually coming back for the Toronto presentation as well. He's nice. arriving on Monday. Nice. Um, but, uh, so he was the one who was like, people, in Ukraine should see this. We had no idea what he was going to think of the play. Right. He, um, he was like, I didn't think I was going to like it, but then he, uh, he's like, I don't like theater, but mm, then <laughs> he was one of those. I like, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of like, it's yeah. Yeah. He was one of those. Okay. And, um, but anyway, he, or he was just, I don't understand theater. Like oh. I've never seen it. Like mm. I don't, I didn't, think that it was possible to make a good Mm. play out of this and anyway then he but he was the one that was like people in ukraine it's so cool Mm. he thought it was so cool that there is a whole community in canada that that is that understands what it means to be ukrainian Mm. um and like the diaspora is something that's really interesting to him Mm -hmm. and to hear canadians speaking ukrainian and um he and and but most importantly that people in Canada know what's happening in Ukraine right um and care and so he was the one that was like this play should be done in Ukraine mm. and so he connected us to this Dicky theater he tried to he tried to hunt someone down so he was the one that got us connected <laughs> and uh so it was a very cool experience. Yeah. Um, we uh, did a few days of workshopping the script with a group of Ukrainian actors, and they spoke it in English. Um, we had requested very strong English mm-hmm. language speakers, um, and we got like a, a variety of levels of English strength. Mm. Um, but everyone did speak Ukra- uh, English. Mm. And... Um, and yeah, so I had done some script rewrites leading up to the the trip to Ukraine. Uh, so we had an opportunity to hear them speak it. Um, and what's cool is my my character, Hanya, she ends up going back to you. She goes to Ukraine mm-hmm. um, and she meets these people. She meets uh, five characters uh, and they are Ukrainian or they're Ukrainians and they speak Russian or Ukrainian. Um 
in their everyday lives, but to her, they speak in English. And in Canada, we don't we don't use accents. We just we don't want to get into that. Like yeah. it's it's um we just want we don't want people to be fussing with accents or for the audience to hear them as separate. We sure. we want people to understand that these are just people. Yeah. Um, and it's a great choice. Uh, but it was so, something so cool about hearing these people speaking with accents. Mm. Um, and sometimes actually, I mean, I'll be writing and my director will be like, Liana, this sounds like ESL or the actress will be like, I, can I just say this like this? And I don't even realize it, but I'm subconsciously writing for the character, like hearing the accent or just that way oh, of speaking yes, yes, in English yeah. as a second language. As, yeah. um, but, uh, so to hear them speaking in accent, just, it was like, oh yes, it's how mm-hmm. it sounds in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also working with them, <clears throat> we had the ability to have them speak to each other in Russian or in, or in Ukrainian. Um, and there was something cool about isolating my character in that way. Right. Um, mm. and that feeling of being in a foreign country, it just raised the stakes. And, and, uh, so our, uh, got written into the script and our lovely Canadian actors have had to learn how to speak in Russian. All right. <laughs> um, they, they've done so well. It's yeah, really great. Nice. Um, but yeah, we, we workshopped with those actors. Um, then we went away for a week and, and, did some writing and came back and then did a couple days of rehearsal and then did a staged reading at, um, uh, in English, uh, at the Les Corbas Center in Cave. And, um, it, uh, had a full house of, um, uh, like veterans, theater people, mm. activists, uh, people from the Canadian consulate, uh, and it was, um, and got some really, and we had a little discussion afterwards and had a really great discussion. Um, it was probably like the most terrifying experience for me to share this play that I've written. Um, in some ways it kind of felt like I'm bringing your story back to you, yes, but, but yeah. it wasn't like that at all mm. because, um, the stories that we're telling, they're, they're human stories that aren't reflective of everybody in Ukraine generally, mm-hmm. right? Like not everyone, so much of Ukraine is not at war. Yeah. Um, the politics penetrate everybody. People in Ukraine are, there's a lot of politics in Ukraine. Um, and uh, a lot of people are politicized, but the war is, is not, it's like the distance from here to Calgary mm. um, of a contact line. And, uh, and which is, which is huge. It's a, it's a, big distance. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the rest of the country is not at war. So anyway, um, but it was great to, it just deepened our understanding and we almost in a way got like approval from, from people because people were very touched and also get to know that a lot, a thing in Ukraine right now with this war is that so many people don't even know that it's happening. Right. Um, don't understand it uh or yeah don't even know that it exists and so a lot of people feel like they're forgotten and so um people were very encouraging mm. that the story is happening here and and um and uh were very encouraging of the play and also gave some really great feedback and thoughts of of ways to holes 
ways to strengthen it. Mm. Um, and it was just a, I feel like the play was just able to go deeper and was deeply enriched by, by the, the experience. It must have been a really powerful experience performing that there. It was, yeah, it was very cool. Mm. Um, <clears throat> it was, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and what I think it just, at the end of the day, we're all just humans, right? Yeah, and yeah. that's what the play, that's my goal with the play is mm. to tell the human impact of this unimaginably, unimaginable, unimaginable political situation yeah. that is out of human hands. Yeah. It's in the hands of, of, of the powers that be, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but it's the humans who are the ones that are impacted. Yeah. Um, so you've been working on this show for how many years? I guess now? three years. Three years? Yeah. And you've been, you've taken it through different iterations. You've you've done workshops here and in Ukraine and all of those things. What, as you've taken this from those, that first draft to where it is now, mm -hmm. is there anything that in particular that you can think of that you've learned about the play or about writing a play that you can think of? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where do I start? I mean, in terms of writing a play, just like, um, the, the, how telling a story can really be like, and Matt has said this and mm -hmm. has really impacted me, but, um, crafting a moment, a play can be so impacted by a moment that sometimes it's just like fixing a, a watch, mm -hmm. just that kind of fine tuning that goes yeah. into a story. Um, can really change things significantly. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, what else can I say? I've learned so much. Um, and how it's just important the story is and, and that it all needs to be when, it, when I, when I've been writing, cause I, I'm an actor, mm -hmm. like I trained as an actor, but in terms of like creating a story, um, I don't think about like the actor's actions or tactics or yeah. anything like that. It's they're, they're different things, uh, in a way. And, um, I, but like, it's interesting cause I also perform in the show. Yeah. So like, it's really cool to see and for myself to make those discoveries while I'm like, why, like, what did I, I, I wrote this. Why can't I figure out that beat? Like, what is that beat? And so it's, it's two, it's two different things, but like I, and I have to be, keep myself in check to make sure that I'm not like rewriting things yes, because yeah. as an actor, I don't get it. Right. Yeah. I'm like, I wrote that for a reason. Um, it's, it's interesting because it is there. There are two different brain functions at work when you're between the writing of it and the, the, the breaking it down as an actor, mm -hmm. which I've always found. Like I remember writing my play and being like, why am I finding it so hard to learn these lines? I wrote them. Shouldn't it be easier for me? Mm. But they're different. They're very different things. So mm -hmm. it was, it was, that was a realization of like how different those two activities are. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, when you write, when you write, did, or when you were writing it at first, did you plan anything or did you just sort of like see to the pants, like, like just put it on paper? Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was mostly like that mm -hmm. for me. And, and especially the second part of the script, um, where we go to Ukraine, uh, it's, uh, I sort of started that in, monologue fashion mm -hmm. um and then then pieced it together and actually that's sort of how and then it turned into scenes and um that's how 
the iteration in Edmonton was that mm. the second half was more like um, going back to Ukraine and, and meeting these people sort of in various episodic ways. Um, and their stories were not connected, but, you know, looped throughout mm. the, the second half of the story. Um, the play has changed and I think matured in a big way now where, um, where Hanya goes back to Ukraine and she's sort of on a journey with these characters. So, um, does this make sense? Yeah, yeah, Maybe. yeah. Okay, okay, cool. No, it I'm does, not sure it if does, I'm like it does. in my brain palace. Like. Because I think, <laughs> to me, I think it's useful to hear about how things change over time. I know when I was younger and, and, and writing, I would write something in the first draft and say, well, this is clearly terrible. And so I would throw it away because it, you know, it was new. Yeah. Like it was not good. And then I learned later on that like it, number one, that's the first draft is supposed to be bad. And then you fix it. Um, and then as you, like, as you're writing a play, how you, you find the things. And like you say, like you mentioned, the, the fine tuning. And as mm-hmm. you, as you make the story better and it changes from what it was originally to see how drastically it can change from one iteration to the next and yet still be the same story. I, this might sound kind of cheesy, but I kind of feel like it's, in ways like it's cool how the story kind of just comes em- almost emerges out of itself as if it was mm. always there mm. kind of like um uh like sculpting of a sculpture or something that you have this big rock not that i've ever sculpted anything but like no. i imagine that there's like this big rock and then you like chisel away at it and like something's in there and then uh and then the story just kind of emerges mm. and and, um, so I know that you, that feeling of just like that verbal diarrhea yes. or like just, or writing something and maybe like just something is complete garbage, but there's something in it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I mean, it was, a, this was a hard story to write and Matt, um, in his experience. And he was so great at mentoring me and guiding me through, through helping me tell the story that I wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did not let me off the hook. Um, <laughs> and it was frustrating, but, um, but really, really helpful. Um, but, uh, he, uh, this just inherently, the story's not very active, right? Like a, a, a young woman who's like with her aging grandmother and remembering her past and trying to figure out this journal. And like the journal is very storytelly. And so how do we, how do we make that active? Mm-hmm. And so it was a lot of that fine tuning and, and, um, and finding the, the, her Hanya's journey mm-hmm, through mm-hmm. why. And the hardest thing was figuring out like, why does she need to go to Ukraine? Like, what is it that, right. and, and the Edmonton version, she needed to go to Ukraine because um, it was her, like, it was almost like a fa- a pilgrimage in a way, right. um, which is fine. Yeah. Um, but I feel like this this new version is is very different, and um, it's same same but different, mm-hmm. as they say in Thailand. Um, it's uh, it's there's more of a reason for her to go to Ukraine and, and mm. that and to follow that journey, and it makes everyone's um, everyone's journey as a character um, the stakes are a lot higher, mm. mm-hmm. and so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What are you most looking forward to about this particular production? Having done it a few times before. Yeah. And it's always changed. It's been changing each time. What are you most looking forward to this time? Going on the journey every night and, um, 
and she, I mean, yeah, I mean, sharing this story with a new audience and yeah. uh, seeing where we go after this, because yeah. I also don't want this to be the end. Um, I'm I'm really excited about other elements of the production too. Mm. Um, we have an amazing amazing projection designer, okay. and uh, he's I that. Nicholas Maine is his name and he does incredible things with projection mapping. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to what he's going to bring to, I know he's working very hard right now to make it all come together. But, um, I think the projections are going to be very immersive and very powerful. Um, and, uh, in, in subtle and also in like very overt ways. And so yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with that. Um, Cause I know he's, we got part of the way there last year mm. and, uh, and, and uh, this year he's, he's been working for longer and has to build on what we had last yeah. year. So, I mean, it's, we're moving into our tech week uh, this weekend. So uh, it's all going to start coming together now projection mapping is a fascinating technology yeah um the, the things you can do with that are just incredible yeah i don't even understand it like <laughs> our director's like yeah nick does this this and this and i'm like huh oh and nick also he's a genius he developed like a robotic arm for our projectors so that because apparent i think projectors can't always like turn off or whatever you can mm -hmm. always see a little bit of light or something yeah. i don't know but he developed an arm that will just like bloop, and like make it stop and so okay. yeah he's like incredible he, wow. he's just a tech guy he also developed this is not about our show but he developed uh artificial intelligence that will write a sonnet what? um yeah anyway i don't okay. know i don't wow. know what purpose that serves in no, but the universe that's, that's but that's pretty awesome yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. yeah he's a smart guy but anyway so i think i'm really looking forward to seeing what he brings to the table nice it's mm -hmm. awesome thank mm -hmm. you so much it's been a lot of fun Thank you so much. Yeah. This has been a Homebody Productions production.